0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.
1: Well, good morning, church. You guys excited about being here today? Anybody ready to get going? How many of you guys would just like to start off this morning with a little praise to Jesus? Like, how many of you are thankful for your salvation today, right? We thank you, Lord. Let's give him a shout of praise. Woo! The Lord is good. I wanted to start this morning uh, with a, kind of a, a family meeting, and so if you're brand new to FC, you will, you know you can just kind of tune in. Uh, and, and I know anytime you say, "Hey, we're having a family meeting," at least in my house, when I tell my kids that, they're like, "Oh, great! What would we do, right?" <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like you know, "Hey, we need to talk." You know that moment, and, and so all the husbands in the room kind of cringe when their wife says, "You need to, we, I, I need to talk to you." Those those uh, few words either means a You've done something wrong, guys. (laughs) Or B, she actually just wants to talk to you. So either way, you're you know, you're you're in trouble. That was supposed to be funny. That's a good one. Oh, come on. Jeez, I you gotta lighten up a little bit today. You know, the, the great thing about growth is is more people connecting to Jesus, and there's a lot of great opportunities and things that, that are happening in our church. And, and then uh, as, as well, that brings some growing pains with it. And anytime your, your family's growing, they're, they're a, little, a little painful. You got to clear out some more space in, in your house, and uh, sometimes you got to, you know, buy more clothes or, you know, build some some extra space for your family. And so we're kind of in that season. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And so we, we pray this all the time. Like, Lord, we, we're, we're praying for harvesters to be sent into the field. And, and, and as we've grown and, and experienced some, some, some growth, we've got some growing pains. And one of those is just in our kids' ministry. Now, in our, our kids' ministry, uh, we, we create some incredible environments. They're going on right now for our kids, and, and, and they're phenomenal. And uh, what, where we're kind of at right now is we have a lot of kids. And because we have a lot of kids, we need to open up some space, and uh, we need to create a little bit more room for them. Uh, you guys know when August hits, uh, everybody is back in town and a lot of people begin to go to church and a lot of new people start to attend. And so we're going to spike over the next few weeks and uh, we need to kind of prepare for that. And so uh, my, my uh, encouragement for those of you who aren't serving in our kids ministry is to actually consider serving in our kids ministry because we actually need you. Uh, my uh, wife, Micah, has uh, graciously stepped in this season as our kids director, and today she's going to be in the atrium with her team. and And uh, if you could, if you would go to her and, and and go to that team and just say, "Man, we'd love to serve. We'd love to help." Uh, maybe maybe you're a mom or a dad of a preschooler and you're not serving. And uh, you know what I would say to you is kind of kind of doing your part as a parent is stepping in uh, to serve in that environment. Now. You know, you might say, that's the only hour a week I get away from preschoolers, and I get that. So it might not be an every week thing for you like most of our volunteers, but if you would be willing to step in, even if it would be like for, you know, once a month or, or kind of be on call, we really could uh, use uh, your help in that area. And, you know, we love our kids' ministries, and creating those environments are incredible. It's really why... You know, we're able to worship in here without any distractions. We all know if you bring a kid in here, a preschooler in here, they're cute and they're loud. Either way, somebody may not hear the gospel. Somebody may be distracted from making the decision that that the Holy Spirit wants and and is drawing them to make. And so, yeah, man, that's why we create such incredible uh, ministries Uh, And and so I want to encourage you to think about that and uh, step into that because we actually do uh, need you. Secondly, as we're praying for uh, harvesters and laborers to be sent out, as we've grown, we need a pastor that is going to focus specifically on small groups. And so we're, we're actually uh, going to begin that search uh, soon. And so I know you either know somebody or you can at least share that news. And and uh, I know when we have mentioned uh, needs in the past, uh, you've had some connections and, and uh, it's definitely helped us. And so I want to encourage you to, to do that uh, as we pursue uh, that new position. We're also searching for a pastor of operations. So this would be someone that, that oversees uh, facilities, that oversees uh, portions of staff and, and finance and, and the business side of uh, our ministries, and so I uh, encourage you guys to pray about that, I encourage you to share that information and uh, consider it uh, yourself. And then finally, we're also looking. For a launch pad director, so this is our preschool ministry. That's a five-day-a-week preschool, and so we're searching for a director that would oversee that, uh, as well as we're we're searching for a couple of teachers to actually teach in the school uh, this coming uh, August. And so, uh, pray about that. Consider it. Share that news and information uh, when we post stuff on uh, social media. I encourage you guys to share that as well to kind of get the word out. Uh, we know God is going uh, to provide. Uh, But we've got to do our part to get that info out there. So that's kind of our talk today. Everybody can kind of, all right, that wasn't too bad. Uh, But those are some needs. Next Sunday will be our last uh, Sunday in the Sermon on the Mount, Life on the Mountain. And so after next Sunday, we start a brand new series called Real Friends. And in that series, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a real friend and how to, how to uh, actually, what actually a real friend is. And so I'm excited about that series as, as we dive into that. Uh, for the last 12 weeks, we've been in, in a series going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, this is a sermon that Jesus preaches, and He, he actually gives us the, the basics of what it looks like to follow Him. This is what Christianity 101 really is, and so we've been diving into this for several weeks, and if you've missed any of these uh, uh, sermons, you can go online, and you can watch them and share them. I've been saying uh, the, the, the bottom line is life, on, uh, uh, life in the valley is focused on me, and life on the mountain is focused on we. Because anytime we are focused on others, anytime we are, are, are not being self-centered, but we are being others centered then we are in fact walking with Jesus and that, that visual, that imagery that we've been trying to share is this image of being on top of a mountain with him. And anytime we decide to live our life for ourselves, we're coming off that mountain mountain away from him, and we're living a self-centered life. And so uh, today, uh, that focus will be seen in drastic measures because today we get to the pinnacle of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Mount Everest. It is the summit of, of the sermon. And uh, what we're going to see today, if you know anything about Jesus, is that you're going to be familiar with this statement. In fact, it's probably the most famous quote that Jesus ever made. And you might think, you know what, the most famous quote that Jesus ever said is probably the most, um, uh, the, the, the quote and the life and the way in which his followers focus and do the most. But that's not always the case. It's the most famous quote, but it's always the most ignored quote by his followers. And so we're gonna look at the most famous quote, and we're also uh, also going to begin to look at the most rejected quote, that Jesus ever made. And so it's kind of interesting that it's stacked together like that in this sermon, that, that we see, you know, in fact, the, the 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 quote that is the most recognized, followed by a statement that Jesus makes that is being rejected um, most likely by some 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 of you actually that are in the room today. And so I want to dive in and begin to look at verse 12 in Matthew chapter 12. Or Matthew chapter seven, sorry. It'll be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bibles. It says this. So Jesus says, So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Now, this is famously called the golden rule. And every single one of us have heard this statement before. You have you have heard the golden rule. You have, uh, you've had a parent, you've had a teacher share with you um, this golden rule. You've been encouraged to live your life by this. This is, in fact, I think the most famous teaching and statement that Jesus ever made. Now think about it. He says, whatever you wish done to you, do to others. And so think about it for a minute. What are you wishing for today? Wishing for a little bit more money? Wishing uh, maybe for a new car? Wishing maybe that uh, somebody would forgive you. Maybe you're wishing that you would find a new friend. Maybe you're wishing that you just wouldn't be lonely. What are you wishing for today? Because Jesus says, whatever you wish for, those are the things that you should do for other people. Now, if you wish that somebody would forgive, forgive you, then Jesus would say, go forgive those who have hurt you today. If you are are wishing for a new friend, then Jesus would say, go be a friend to someone else. If you're wishing that that maybe you you wouldn't be as lonely today, then, then go spend some time with somebody who's at a nursing home, somebody who is in fact lonely. This is the golden rule. This is what Jesus is calling us to do over the years, we've kind of distorted and changed the golden rule to kind of mean something different. And so we we have kind of, you know, lived our life in such a way that we live by this, do unto others as they do unto you. <laughs> and so if, if they're mean to me, then I'm going to be mean to them. If they're rude to me, then I'm going to be rude right back to them. And so we've kind of distorted and often kind of rejected the teaching that Jesus is actually calling us to live. We've also kind of rejected it and distorted it by living like this, do unto others as they deserved to be done to them. So, okay, they don't deserve it, therefore I'm not going to give it. They don't deserve my respect, so I'm not going to give it to them. They don't deserve forgiveness, so I'm not going to give it to them. They don't deserve me giving them any money because of whatever they've done, so I'm not going to be generous to them. Oftentimes, we find ourselves living this way. We also tend to live like this, do unto others so as to get them to do, so that we can get them to do what we want them to do. And so the idea here is, okay, I want them to do something, and so I'm going to live in such a way that I'm going to begin to manipulate them so that I can get something from them, so that I can, you know, gain an advantage in my life. And so I'll be nice to them, I'll be generous to them, I'll hang out with them to get what I want from them. And so the assumption that oftentimes, even as believers, we begin to live our life in this way, and so we think, okay, I'll do my part as long as you do your part. Folks, this is exactly the opposite way of what Jesus is calling us to do and how to live our life. Think about it. Think about how fragile your relationships are if that's how you're living your life. Think about how how that is so uh, a relationship that is built so much on conditional love. If you do this, then I will do this. It's, it's a life that really focuses on other people's behavior and doesn't focus on your own behavior. It doesn't look inward and doesn't, doesn't ever take responsibility for your own behavior and your own words and, 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 and your own reactions, but it's completely focused on your spouse. It's completely focused on your coworkers and what they do or don't do. But Jesus is calling us to an entirely different Life. If you have your Bibles, go uh, back to verse 12 and circle the word so, because that word so is huge. Uh, the whole point here as Jesus kind of transitions to this, this really Mount Everest of ethics and moral living is, okay, so, in other words, based on what Jesus just talked about, based on the fact that he is a loving God, He is a loving Father who always gives good gifts to those who ask. That's what we talked about last week. Ask, seek, knock, it will be given. Based on the fact that our God is so generous, we are to be generous to others. And so the golden rule should be an overflow of my heart Because of the generosity that God has poured into my life, I know and I see how generous he is to me. I ask and he gives, therefore I should be generous in my life, therefore living by the golden rule and doing unto others as I would have them do unto me. Now if you study other world religions, this is extremely fascinating to me. Study all the world religions from the history of the world, and there are bits and pieces of the golden rule in other uh, major world religions. But what's interesting about all of these teachings is that they're all presented in the negative form. So if you look at uh, other... uh, Jewish rabbis and their teachings, if you look at Confucius, if you if you look at even the Greeks and, and some of their uh, teachings, you see this form of the golden rule, but it's always prevented, uh, pre, uh, presented in the negative form. And so that's fascinating to me because only Jesus has given us this command in a positive form, do unto others. Now, let, let me talk about the difference for a second. The negative form teaches us, if you don't like to be robbed, then don't rob other people. If you don't wanna be cussed out, then don't cuss out other people. That's in the negative form. The positive form is, is simply, if you like to receive gifts, then give to others. If you like being appreciated, then appreciate others. Essentially, the negative form is do no harm to other people. We can get that. Do no harm to other people. But the the reality is, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to discipline your life and live in such a way that you don't harm other people. Like, don't harm other people. Okay, don't kill anybody. Don't steal from people. You know? Okay, we can do that. Even an atheist, somebody that doesn't even believe in a God, can live a semi-quasi-moral life and follow the negative form of that command. Don't harm people. Okay, I can do that. But only someone who has wholeheartedly committed their life to Jesus and been transformed by the gospel, can you switch gears and now pursue a lifestyle that seeks after and desires to do good things and good deeds to other people? See, the, the attitude difference is You know, not just I don't want to do harm to people, but now this new attitude is I must do my best to help others. That's the big difference here. And so the only only the love of Christ here can compel us to transition our heart and our attitude and live in this way that we would begin to intentionally do for others what you want them to do to you. This is revolutionary. This is the first time in the history of the world this kind of statement was ever made. Now, I know for us, we've heard the golden rule our whole life. And so it's just like, oh, yeah, it's what we're supposed to do. But this is revolutionary. Like, Jesus is changing the world with this statement. And if you begin to live your life in such a way that you are intentionally doing for others what you want done to you, it changes your life. It's a lot more complicated to live this way because now all of a sudden you're not just worried about your family and your needs. You're, you're actually thinking about ways to help and improve other people's lives. It's more complicated when you begin to do that. You don't have as much time to spend on your hobbies and, and to go on vacations when you're living in this way because you're busy pursuing service and ministry and helping others experience love and blessing and, and the gospel. This begins to dominate the way that you treat your family because now you're talking to them and interacting with them on an entirely different level. How can I bless them? Not what can I get from them? Imagine how your life would be different if it was no longer enough to simply not be rude. (laughs) It's not enough just to live your life and just not be rude or not hurt someone on purpose, but you actually started to look for ways to bless and to serve other people this would change your life uh, imagine for a minute your relationship with your parents and how it would change if you began to treat your parents the way that you want others to treat you imagine the difference in the relationships at work if you began to treat others at work the way in which you want to be treated think about how you would treat your spouse and how you would treat your kids and And loved ones, if you were always thinking about intentionally doing for others what you want done for you, it's more than just not doing wrong. It's actually, it's more than than not just doing good. In fact, it means that we are looking for ways. We're searching for ways. We're seeking opportunities and ways to do the good that you want others to do to you. Listen, when you begin to live this way and you are looking and searching and seeking out ways to do good, this is where you find God. You don't find God by living for yourself and doing your own thing. You don't find purpose by just pursuing the lifestyle that everybody else in the world is pursuing and just trying to do your thing and and build your little kingdom. That's not how you experience the power of God. It's not how you experience the purpose uh, in life only through intentionally seeking and searching out ways to do good to others. Can you begin to experience that? This kind of life, Jesus says, can only happen if you go through the narrow gate. And he says few people are going to find the narrow path. In fact, to obey this command, you've got to become a brand new man, a brand new woman. And your, your entire center of your life has to be changed. Here's what he says in verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. (laughs) Think about what he is saying right now. The most recognized do unto others to now the most rejected uh, teaching that Jesus ever shared. He says, wide is the gate in verse 13. In other words, there's a road that is both big and broad, and it is easy to travel. And many people find it. In fact, most people find it. And as a result of finding this, they're able to live this life and travel this road with whatever baggage they want to take with whatever pride they want to take along with them, with whatever sin they would like to take with them, you don't have to leave anything behind to travel through the wide gate. To stay on it, all you've got to do essentially is do whatever you want to do. There's absolutely no effort. There's absolutely no morality that is right or wrong. You just live and do whatever you think is good and you essentially just live by your own standards, this is a wide gate. Most people find this gate. There are few restrictions, few rules, and, and very few requirements. This is the road for people who believe in anything or believe in nothing at all. This is the person that believes all roads lead to heaven. So it doesn't matter what you do or how you live. Essentially, just do whatever you want to do, and you're going to wind up. We're all going to wind up in the same place together. This is popular culture. This is what most people believe. And yet, what we've just read presents us with some truth that we need to know. The broad gate leads to death. You travel that road and it will lead to destruction. You go through the wide gate, travel the wide road that says, you know, believe whatever you want to believe and do whatever you want to do. Whatever is right for you, go for it. Whatever is right for me, I'll go for it. Jesus says that is the broad gate and it leads to destruction. The Bible says this in Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You see, we often feel like we have the answers. We often feel like we can figure things out, and before Christ saved us, we had the natural brain, the natural mind. We had the, this fleshly way of thinking. The Spirit of God did not live within us to guide our thoughts and to guide our actions, and so we thought there was a way that seemed right, but it always leads to death. Jesus says the gate to life is narrow and it's difficult. The Greek word there for difficult is often translated as persecution. And so if, if you decide to go through the narrow gate, there are going to be troubles. There are going to be uh, some, some days of suffering and sorrow. There are going to be situations and moments in your life where you're experiencing persecution when you're being made fun of because of your faith, where you don't get the deal because of your faith, where you are ostracized and you're not invited to the party because of your faith. He says, yeah, there might even be some physical consequences. There, there might be some, you know, as Paul was beaten up and thrown into jail, potentially one day, this is where we're going to be. And in other parts of the country, they experience it right now. He says, yeah, if you go through the narrow gate, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. He says, but... You enter the narrow gate to life empty handed. In other words, you don't take any works with you. You don't take any possessions with you. You don't take any pride or selfishness with you. You don't get to pack up your bag and and, and get to walk through uh, the narrow gate with, with all of your possessions. Jesus says, No, 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 nothing fits through the narrow gate. It's so narrow that the only thing that you can take with yourself is just you. You're the only thing that fits. And so Jesus would say, come to me, just as you are. Leave your sin, leave your pride, leave everything behind, and follow me. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. And to do that, you have to leave everything behind. You've got to leave your prestige. You've got to leave your position. You essentially have to go through the narrow gate empty-handed. There's no good work that you can do. That's going to receive salvation or give you um, a, a better standing with God. He says, "No, there's nothing you can do. You come in empty-handed. Think of it like this: you've been through through like the turnstiles. Maybe you're on a subway or a train, or even back in the day, even the stadium had these things where they need a little thing that rotates and you go in one at a time. Little little deal, just kind of rotates. That's essentially kind of the idea. That you don't take anything else with you. You listen." Just because your mom was a a believer and she's in heaven or she's going to heaven doesn't mean that you are. Just because you come to church does not make you a follower of Jesus. Just because you're a a member of a church does not make you a follower of Jesus. What makes you a follower of Jesus is if you have walked through that narrow gate and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, this gate is a gate of self-denial. It's a gate where whatever... You wish to be done to you, you do unto others. Jesus said, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, in fact, will find it. He says, you've got you've to be willing to leave all of your plans. Let go of everything that you think is required in your life and say, you know what, I'm going to walk through this gate and I'm going to trust Jesus in every area of my life. Here's what the implications of this really is. When you think about it, the implication is that there is only one way to God. This is why I think this is the most rejected teaching of Jesus in our culture, because this goes completely against everything our culture believes today. Do what you want, whatever you think is right, go for it. Whatever feels right to you, be true to yourself. And if you're true to yourself, then you find your path, man, but Jesus would say that kind of thinking leads to destruction. Left unto myself, if I, if, 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 listen, young people especially, like, if I do whatever I want to do and I be true to myself, well, my true self is filled with sin. And my true self, if I just want to live out of my true self, is going to lead me to do a lot of damaging things to other people because it's a totally self-centered way to live. So when we come to this statement, Jesus is like, you gotta go through the narrow gate. There's only one way to God. Some of you, I know, you in fact push back on this, and you want to say, you know what? There's no way a loving God would ever allow, you know, anyone to go to hell. He loves everybody, and and, and 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 you know, at the end of the day, God's just gonna say, All right, I know you didn't do exactly what I told you to do, but here at the end of the day, I'm I'm a loving God, and you can go to heaven. But that. That way of thinking, that theology is called universalism, that everybody's going to go to heaven. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying won't happen. He's saying few people will find it. Most people are going to walk through the wide gate, and only a few people are going to walk the hard, difficult path of Jesus. Here's what Scripture teaches elsewhere. Acts 4, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name, no other way can we experience forgiveness of sin. Can we experience heaven? Can we experience a right relationship with God? Jesus is the gate. You've got to go through Jesus if you want to experience salvation in heaven. John 10, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He doesn't say whoever enters through whatever option they choose will be saved he doesn't say whoever enters, you know, through whatever religion you want. He says through me will be saved. Here's what First Timothy two says: For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men. A mediator is someone who is in the middle of a situation two people are fighting. You know. If, if uh, you know anybody that's been divorced, they're trying to figure out things, there is what's called a mediator, who mediates the, this couple and tries to help them get on the same page. Well, the mediator between us and God is Jesus. We were angry at God. We were sinful. We were enemies of God because of our sinful nature. Here is God on the other side. He is not going to allow sin into heaven Jesus steps in. God sends his son to be the mediator between the two of us. And he allows his death on the cross to be the pathway that you and I are restored in our relationship with God. He's the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ, Jesus. There's only one mediator. There's no other way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So over and over and over again in the scripture, we see this taught, but over and over and over again in our culture, we are bombarded with this pluralistic, all roads lead to heaven, do whatever you want, live live however you want, and it's going to be okay. Listen, we can't just make up our own religion. I mean, you can, but it's not going to lead you to true life. It's not going to lead you to God. It's not going to lead you to Forgiveness of sins. You know, for some of you in the room, you were taught, "Hey, man, everybody just do your thing." You were just taught, you know what? Uh, God's a God of love, and He's going to let us all go to heaven, and just it's going to be one big old party. And so, just just you know, do whatever you want to do. And that's just not the path that leads to peace. It's not the path that leads to God. So, if you believe, listen, if you believe that everybody is going to go to heaven, even if they don't believe in Jesus, just know something. You believe something that is exactly opposite from what Jesus teaches. And so if someone is teaching that all roads lead to heaven, that is a false gospel. It's a false gospel. If you're, you you might say you love Jesus, you might actually, you know, say you believe the Bible, but as I'm teaching this, you're like, oh man, I don't know because I get this friend and she's such a good person and listen, you can struggle with this. You can be like, ah, I don't fully understand. If that's your attitude, that okay, I'm I believe it, but I'm trying to grow in that, that's one thing. But if you're the kind of person that says, no, 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 I believe the Bible, but that's not true, then you're, I would say that you're not a follower of Jesus. So your attitude is 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 in in kind of your just just know where you stand before God. I think the most helpful thing I could do today is bring some reality into your life so that you could kind of know where you stand. You might walk out of here and say, Man, I, I thought I believed in Jesus, but reality is I think anybody can go to heaven. So I guess I'm not really a, a follower of Jesus because he says the exact opposite. Because the follower of Jesus actually believes what he teaches. See, here's the reality. Man cannot come to God in any way that man devises, but only in the way that God has provided. I can't just come up with my own way. I have to understand and pursue the path that God himself has provided with us or to us. And over and over and over in the New Testament, the path is Jesus. So implications. So this this is why you and I must go. This is why the Great Commission ought to be the rallying point of every church who believes in Jesus across the world. Like, this, this is why we have to go. If Jesus is the only way, then it is paramount that we put aside all the, 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 the stupid little piddly fights that churches go through and say, listen, listen, we've got to focus on this one thing that is the main thing, which is to lead people to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. This is why we have to pray for workers, for laborers to be sent into the harvest field on one hand, Jesus is saying most people won't find it. You know, most, only few are going to find it. But on the other hand, he's saying there will be some that will find it. There, there are few, but they will, they will find it. And so, so the reality is, I, I know some people say, well, it's just, it's, it's a narrow way and it's few. Only a few are going to find it. And so they're just going to have to figure it out for themselves. And no, 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 no. There's a few that are going to find it, but they need, they need a laborer. They need a you. They need a me. Who's gonna share the gospel with them? Who's gonna invite them to church? Who's gonna share with them, okay, this this is what it looks like to receive forgiveness and to live and walk in freedom. This is the hope of the gospel. It's in Jesus. He's the gate, He's the path, the purpose, and life and peace. You know, the North American Mission Board, which plants churches all over North America uh, through the Southern Baptist Convention, we're partnering with them as an SBC church, and they say this. Statistics say that there are 250 million people in the U.S. who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 250 million people. Think about that for a minute. That is an incredible amount of people. Broaden your scope a little bit to the world, and there are 7 billion people now on the planet. It's hard for us to even imagine 7 billion people. But if you were to estimate that one-third of those are Christians, which is probably pretty high, um, it's probably not that many, but let's just go with it. That means that there are four to five billion people in the world who do not believe in Jesus. Many of them simply because they've never heard. That is a lot of people. Let's make it a little bit more personal here. Uh, we live in Blunt County, and uh, statistics tell us that there are 135,000 people in Blunt County. Knox County has 472,000 people. That's a total of 607,000 people. Let's go with 20%. You know, No way do 20% of our population believe in Jesus. But let's just say it just to make ourselves feel a little bit better. And if that were true, that would mean that there are 485,000 lost people in our Jerusalem and Judea. In Blount County and Knox County alone. A half a million people are on the path to destruction. Let's just say, in Blunt County, let's kind of focus there. Out of that 135,000 people, if you do the 20%, you're, you're talking about 108,000 lost people just in our community. And if we're gonna move the needle on lostness, even just 1%, like if, 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 if okay, 108,000 people, let's just, let's just get 1% of them on the narrow gate. Let's lead 1% of them to know Jesus. That means that we're gonna to have to lead over 1,000 people to Christ this year. And oh, by the way, the, the birth rate is 1,095 kids every year are born. So, so just 1%, we're gonna to have to lead 2,000 people to move the needle of 1% of the lostness in our community. And we can sit around and, 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 and watch the news and complain about our culture all day long and, and complain about this and complain about that, but at the end of the day, if you want to make a difference, tell somebody about Jesus. That's the only thing that is going to bring change in a community and in a world. He is the answer and if we're going to move that needle, if we're going to share the gospel, if we are going to see people come to know Christ, it's going to take all of us doing our part. We've got a lot of work to do. We have an amazing opportunity here at FC. I believe God wants us to lead thousands of people to Christ. But to do that, we've got we've to be faithful to him and be focused on making disciples. Uh, you know, living close to... McGee Tyson, we uh, we hear airplanes all the time, and so uh, it's a reminder that the airport is not a destination. Uh, That the airport is 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 not the ultimate goal, is it? I mean, you don't show up to McGee Tyson and and then get to gate number three, and you're like, sweet, this is awesome. We're at gate number three. You don't spend a week there, you know. It's not what's happening. You're, you're going there because you are connecting, because you want to be sent out to a different destination. I want you to think about Foothills Church as an airport. And, 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 and as an airport, we gather together to worship, to get equipped, and then we're sent out into this community with a message of hope. And that might be in this community, or it might be elsewhere. You know, God is doing some amazing things in the life of our church and in the life of our people And I wanted to introduce you to some folks um, to to really just kind of show you some of the things that God is doing to encourage you, inspire you, and also to continue to pray for them. So guys, if you will come on out, there are families that um, we are going to be sending into this community, but also sending into uh, the world over the next several months. And I wanted you to see their faces and uh, see who they are, and be able to celebrate with them, encourage them, as well as pray for them. And so, um, starting on the far end, this is Brittany and Eric Weatherby, and so and their beautiful kids—not all their kids, but some of them—with uh, them, and. Uh, Right now, they have felt and have been pursuing a call to ministry for some time. And, and uh, over the last several months, they've been going through the International Mission Boards process, which is many interviews, equipping, preparing them, and, and, uh, and, and just giving them all the resources and tools that they need to be able to go into the world somewhere as a missionary. And they don't know where that place is yet. At this point, they're saying, God, wherever we're needed most, we're going to go. That's amazing. We're excited for them. Yeah. Next is Eric and Elena Nelson. And so um, Elena was on our first trip to London. And while she was there, uh, felt a call to full-time uh, service and so came back and uh, prayed with her husband and family and and have decided that they are pursuing a call to live in London and help our church planner there run the cafe there that ministers to the community and shares the gospel and so they'll be going in the near future as well so we're excited about that Next is Travis and and Leah Neely and and their beautiful kids, and and, uh, they've been in the International Mission Boards process now as well. Travis felt the call to ministry, Leah as well, as as they've been pursuing that, and again going through the process of getting trained and equipped to do that, uh, now feeling that they are going to go to London and with our church planter there, uh, begin to plant more churches and uh, encourage that community of faith and and uh, see that more disciples are made. And so give them a round of applause. <clears throat> this is Will and Lexi McCart, and uh, they've been attending our church for some time now, and they've been uh, experiencing a, a call to ministry as well. And, and uh, they as well recently uh, just began to pursue the International Mission Board's process. And so they're going through that process, getting equipped because they want to be sent Overseas. They don't know where yet, Uh, kind of in a position now of saying, you know, anywhere uh, we're needed most is where we're going to go. So that's incredible and inspiring as well. And then, you know, Pastor Todd, our pastor of development, and his wife, Christy, both on staff here. I wanted to give him a chance. Just so we know, we're going to hear all of these stories in the coming days, Uh, but I wanted to give Todd an opportunity to kind of share where he's at in his life, and and he and Christy. So Todd, share with us.
0: Yeah, we're so excited to be a part of a church that is a sending church. Uh, The local church is the key to global mission. And if we're raising up and making disciples, then, then the goal of that or the end of that, that some... We'll go to the nations, and when we talk about the Great Commission, we're talking about making disciples of all nations, and these are some folks that we're so excited to see in our partner IMB process, and um, one of the things that God has been laying on Christianized heart is that we also have committed to go to global missions. We are in the IMB process, have been since January, and we just got cleared the first week of June And we are going to be deployed to Africa. We have five more months, so we have a lot of work to do here at FC to get ready and hire folks and continue to develop and make disciples uh, to the nations as we're here. But we're so thankful for all of your support and the way you guys have loved us and cared for us. So uh, it's not a goodbye today. We probably leave in January, but, um, but we're in that process and we're moving that way. So um, it's, uh, it's been an amazing journey here. And we're so grateful for uh, this body of family of believers uh, who have allowed us to grow ourselves and uh, to be a part of others who are, who are receiving God's call as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. Real, real quick. Real quick, tell us what you're going
1: to be doing there, you and Christy.
0: Yeah, so um, we both have jobs and have been asked to serve. So Christy is uh, going to be in charge of the IMB guest house in Zambia, the country of Zambia, the city Lusaka. And so we will be hosting teams, or she will be hosting teams as they come, missionaries who are out in the bush uh, who come for some respite, so she can love on them, and feed them, and cook for them, and, and just uh, just do some great things of, um, of care, which she's so good at in the area of hospitality. And so we're excited for what she's going to do. I'm going to be the strategic developer for uh, raising up new churches, specifically churches that reach younger people. In Zambia, 60, 62% of the people are under the age of 25. And these under the age of 25 folks are not connecting to the existing churches that are there. It's an English-speaking country. At least that's its national language. So we're going to be able to uh, reach college, university students, 20-year-olds, and uh, hopefully lead them to Christ, disciple them, leadership development them into uh, leading churches and starting churches, and hopefully partnering with some pastors and churches that are already existing so that they might be open to transitioning to something different than what they're already doing. I'll be teaching at the seminary there, a class or two. And uh, we're also in charge of hiring college-age 20-year-olds from America and bringing them to to Zambia, to Lusaka. And we have two houses set up for college-age 20-year-olds Uh, And so if you go to the IMB website right now and you're in your 20s and you're single, you will see that job there. And uh, now you know that the leader of that job is us. And so uh, we would love to see some of our own Foothills Church college students, 20-year-olds come over uh, to six months, starting with January to May. And you can look at that and um, pray about and see if you'd be like to do that. Maybe some moms and dads would be a little more uh, <laughs> open knowing that you would be spending those six months with Chrissy and I. But anyway, thank or, you. all. Or maybe
1: that was the deal breaker. They're maybe not that was the deal
0: breaker. They were going to go. <laughs> Forget that.
1: You know, our 2020 vision was that we would send 20 college young adults overseas. I had no idea when God laid that on my heart that my brother and my sister-in-law would be part of that overseas. And so I probably wouldn't have prayed that. Because <laughs> uh, it certainly has been, uh, we've been talking and praying about this for some time. A lot of tears for me. Uh, there's a lot of sadness in seeing them go. But as he said, we've got a few months um, now to, to prepare. And, and uh, there's a lot of gospel goodbyes. When you, have, when you have told Jesus, I will go wherever you want me to go. You just tell me Where? A lot of times there's, there's some gospel goodbyes that are going to be difficult. But listen, God, God's not going to call every single person here to Africa, but he is going to call some of you, and, 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 and the invitation is for all of us to go through the narrow gate, to leave everything behind. And as you go, you are looking, you are searching, you are seeking out ways to do the good that you want others to do to you. And that means sharing your faith and telling your friends about Jesus. And so as we close today, I want to pray over them. I want to encourage you to pray. And uh, we're going we're to close with a song um, of commitment today. Would you pray with them, uh, with me over them as I pray? Father, we are so grateful that you have created a church here where your spirit is calling men and women into ministry to go to the nations. And Lord, we want to go to our Jerusalem and Judea, our communities. And you know and we know that we have also been called to go to the nations. And so, Father, I pray that you would anoint and bless each and every person that you are calling. God, I pray that you would give them a heart of confidence as they pursue your calling. Lord, I pray that you would, you would give them fruit in the harvest as they serve and as they go. That, God, that you would have a hand of blessing upon them like no other They would see people come to know Christ. They would see lives transformed. They would see churches being built. They would see young people coming to faith. And they would see even young people coming and calling to full-time service. Lord, bless, keep them. Encourage and challenge them as they continue to pursue this difficult, painful road. But Lord, we know and trust that it's the road you've called us to. And ultimately, it is for our good. And praise God, it's for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you give them a round of applause? Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at FoothillsChurch.com.